0: This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. Not all heroes wear the uniform of war. In the United States, however, we take particular pride in recognizing as heroes those who have served in our military. Yet while we honor our veterans with holidays, parades, discounts at retail stores and restaurants, and endless political rhetoric about their sacrifice and their bravery, we do a pitiful job of respecting their freedoms and caring for their needs once out of uniform. Despite the fact that the U.S. boasts more than 20 million veterans who have served in World War II through the present day, the plight of veterans today is America's badge of shame, with large numbers of veterans impoverished, unemployed, traumatized mentally and physically, struggling with depression, suicide, and marital stress, homeless, subjected to subpar treatment at clinics and hospitals, and left to moulder while their paperwork piles up within veterans administration offices. Still, the government's efforts to wage war on veterans, especially those who speak out against government wrongdoing, is downright appalling. Consider this. We raise our young people on a steady diet of militarism and war, sell them on the idea that defending freedom abroad by serving in the military is their patriotic duty, then when they return home, bruised and battle-scarred and committed to defending their freedoms at home, we often treat them like criminals merely for having served in the military. The government even has a name for its war on American veterans. It's called Operation Vigilant Eagle. As first reported by the Wall Street Journal, this Department of Homeland Security program tracks military veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan and characterizes them as extremist and potential domestic terrorist threats because they may be disgruntled, disillusioned, or suffering from the psychological effects of war. Coupled with the Department of Homeland Security's reports on right-wing and left-wing extremism, which broadly define extremists as individuals, military veterans, and groups that are mainly anti-government, rejecting federal authority in favor of state or local authority, or rejecting government authority entirely, these tactics bode ill for anyone seen as opposing the government, but especially veterans. Yet the government is not merely targeting individuals who are voicing their discontent so much as it is taking aim at individuals trained in military warfare, our veterans. In recent years, military servicemen and women have found themselves increasingly targeted for surveillance, censorship, threatened with incarceration, jail, or involuntary commitment, labeled as extremists, and or mentally ill, and stripped of their Second Amendment rights. Remember, the National Defense Authorization Act opened the door for the government to detain or imprison as a threat to national security anyone viewed as a troublemaker. Moreover, it doesn't take much anymore to be flagged as potentially anti-government in a government database somewhere, especially a database called Maine Corps, for example, that identifies and tracks individuals who aren't inclined to march in lockstep to the government's dictates. The case of Brandon Robb is a prime example of Operation Vigilant Eagle in action. Rob, a 26-year-old decorated Marine, actually found himself interrogated by government agents about his views on government corruption, arrested with no warning, labeled mentally ill for subscribing to so-called conspiratorial views about the government, detained against his will in a psych ward for standing by his views, and isolated from his family, his friends, and his lawyers. Thankfully, the Rutherford Institute came to Rob's assistance, which combined with heightened media attention brought about his release and may have helped prevent Rob from being successfully disappeared by the government. Even so, within days of Rob being seized and forcibly held in a VA psych ward, news reports started surfacing of other veterans having similar experiences. That the government is using the charge of mental illness as the means by which to immobilize and disarm these veterans is downright diabolical. With one stroke of a magistrate's pens, these veterans are being declared mentally ill, locked away against their will, and stripped of their constitutional rights. If it were just being classified as anti-government, that, that would be one thing, unfortunately. Anyone with a military background and training is also now being viewed as a heightened security threat by local police, who are trained to shoot first and ask questions later. Feeding this perception of veterans as ticking time bombs in need of intervention, the U.S. Justice Department launched a program in 2012 aimed at training SWAT teams to deal with confrontations involving highly trained and often heavily armed combat veterans. The result? Police encounters with military veterans often escalate very quickly into an explosive and deadly situation, especially when SWAT teams are involved. For example, Jose Guarana, a Marine who served two tours in Iraq, was killed after an Arizona SWAT team kicked open the door of his home during a mistaken drunk raid and opened fire. Apart from his military background, Guarana had no prior criminal record, and the police found nothing illegal in his home. He was found dead after the police shot him. John Edward Chesney, a 62-year-old Vietnam vet, was killed by a SWAT team allegedly responding to a call that the Army veteran was standing in his San Diego apartment window waving what looked like a semi-automatic rifle. The gun Chesney reportedly pointed at police from three stories up was a realistic-looking mock assault rifle. In other words, it wasn't a real gun. Remember, no one is spared in a police state. Eventually, as I'll make clear in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, we all suffer the same fate. It stands to reason that if the government can't be bothered to abide by its constitutional mandate to respect the citizens' rights, Whether it's the right to be free from government surveillance and censorship, the right to fair hearings in a courtroom, the right to be free from roadside, strip searches, and militarized police, or the right to peacefully assemble and protest and exercise our right to free speech, then why should anyone expect the government to treat our nation's veterans with with respect and dignity? So folks, if you really want to do something to show your respect and appreciation for the nation's veterans, here's a suggestion. Skip the parades and the retail sales and the flag waving and instead go exercise your rights, the freedoms that those veterans risked their lives to protect by pushing back against the government's tyranny. Freedom is not free. It's time the rest of the nation started to pay the price for the freedoms we too often take for granted. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. Visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.